Darren Davick from October Bird of Death is here for a meet and greet with the antidote. Thanks for coming on, Darren. Thank you for having us. October Bird of Death is a new band, but none of you guys are kids. How about telling us not just how the band started up, but why it began? Um, yeah, that is a good question. So about two, maybe two and a half years ago, uh, maybe even three years ago, Wiley, our vocalist, and I started working out together in our church's weight room. And uh, Your church has a weight room? Yeah, my church has a weight room. <laughs> <laughs> so... So anyway, we, you know, we met each other, and uh, after a while, he discovered that I used to play guitar in um, a band called Ballet Douse, and I discovered that he used to be a vocalist in a band in Michigan called uh, Vulture Circles Crow. And uh, after a little while, he started to ask me, hey, you know, maybe we should start a band, maybe we should start a punk band. And for a while there, I was like, you know, actually, for almost a year, I kind of put him off and was just like, you know, I, I just didn't want to go back into the band experience. Uh, um I was in Ballet Douse for a couple of years, and and uh, Ballet Douse was really like, it was pretty much my dream band. Uh, everything about it, um, I loved the people involved with it. I loved the music. Ballet Douse wasn't a really super popular band, uh, but among the people that we did have as a fans, we had a, a very deep impact with those people. I even, to this day, still get letters from people who t- tell me about how, you know, what we were saying and, and, and the lyrics and the things had have changed their lives. And so uh, when Ballet Desk came to an end, uh, it was very hard. It was a very rough year for me. And really when I put my guitar down, I thought, you know, you know, I'll never be able to walk back into this kind of situation again. This is a, this is a once in a lifetime band. And, you know, I, anything from here on forward is going to be something that, you know, is just going to pale in comparison. And, um, and so Wiley was persistent and he kept at me. And so finally I gave in and um, we started to gather some people around us um, to, to explore something. And uh, we went through uh, several different groups of people sort of came and went as far as different members from different things before we kind of settled down. Uh, um, you know, just people that would come in and, and it wouldn't be quite the right fit musically or they would they would want to be doing something else or, or whatever. So we so several people came and went. And then finally we. Uh, we, we picked up uh, Kurt Lynette, who was a, a bass player that Wiley had worked with before in Michigan, who had moved to Chicago. Then uh, we did some postings on, on some internet sites and found Zach Bridier, our drummer. Uh, we actually had a bunch of different people lined up to come in for drum auditions, and Zach showed up. He was the first one, and by the end of his first couple hours with us, we knew that he was the guy, and we just canceled the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the, the auditions. Uh, he was exactly what we were looking for. And uh, um, at that point, um, the second guitar was being played by, uh, by Brian Gray, um, who is of The Blamed and The Satire, or his other projects that he does. And uh, Brian had always told us that he was kind of filling in until we found a, a more permanent fit for another guitar player. And so uh, we were just really fortunate at that point that Sid Dufour, who I've known for a very long time, as I've known Brian for a very long time, probably over 15 years, 20 years, uh, we were very fortunate that he uh, ended up quitting a band, a uh, very popular uh, punk band in Chicago called Brick Assassin. And uh, he quit that band. And uh, we were just like, hey, you know, and I think at that moment, he was just like, not really wanting to get involved in another band. And we said, hey, we'd really like you to come in and try it. And we were fortunate enough that he came in and, and uh, well, we've been our band ever since. So in the end, I'm, I'm really glad, you know, that I that I sort of stepped out of my comfort zone and did this because it, it's turned out to be 
just a really wonderful group of guys, uh, very talented people. And uh, the music has so far exceeded my expectations at every level. And so in the end, I'm really glad that, that we winded up doing it, um, coming to the point where we, you know, we just put out an EP and it's being you know, pretty well received and we're, and we're excited about it. Well, I'm glad that you're happy about being a part of the band, even if Wiley had to beat you with a stick to get you to join in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I want to get into talking about October Bird of Death's music, but I also want to get into some of the earlier bands you guys were involved with, because, of course, you mentioned Belly Dose. I've always felt that the latest edition of an artist's music draws in aspects of their previous music. Would you say that applies to October Bird of Death? Um, yeah, in, in the broadest sense, you know, I mean, obviously this is a punk band. Um, you know, we come from other punk bands, you know, all of us, uh, Glenn, um, has done several different projects. Uh, the, the last being Vulture Circles Crow, uh, obviously Sid was in Head Noise, uh, for a long time and was in, you know, Brick Assassin, both punk bands. You know, I was in Valley Douse. So yeah, so I mean, that does come into play, uh, but really in a broad general sense, I mean, I think that. October Bird of Death, we want that to sound different from all those bands. We have an idea about what we want to sound like. And so we're focused on, on that. And when we write a song, we're not, you know, we're not going, oh, let's, you know, let's make this sound like Head Noise or let's make this sound like Minor Threat or Fugazi or whatever. We start off with, with either a lyric or a riff and then we build from there and we try to be creative. And obviously every, everything that we've ever heard, everything that we're currently listening to, that all comes in subconsciously to what we're to what we're doing, but yeah, I mean, I guess in the broadest sense, I think uh, those other bands do play in a bit, but uh, but we're trying to do something that's not like those other bands. Well, how about if we head back into those previous bands? Of course, Darren, you mentioned Belly Douse, this Celtic punk band with an Irish focus. Is that your family origins, Ireland? Uh, no, no. In fact, uh, almost all of my family comes from Norway. Uh, Ballad House is kind of funny because I, I could be wrong here, but I, I'm almost certain that the only member of the band, and he was one of the main writers, Nate Peters, was of Irish descent. Pretty sure everybody else wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, I mean, we just love the music. Different people in the band loved a lot of different uh, world music and different things. So, and I wasn't even a primary writer in that band. Um, so I kind of joined after it had already started. Uh, but, you know, we just all loved the, you know, the Irish jigs and the, and the tunes, and and uh, we just went for it. Ballydale's really wasn't just straight-up Celtic punk like the Pogues. I mean, it twisted the genre around bringing these other influences that you mentioned, especially on the final album, Out of the Fertile Crescent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even on the first album, there was a, a lot of other things besides Celtic. There was a fair bit of uh, Eastern European and Klezmer sort of sounds, and... Uh, and there was, you know, Tuvan throat singing, and uh, we brought in Aboriginal didgeridoos on songs, and you know, so you know, there was a lot of different things. And you're right, I think that I'm not sure if it was a conscious effort on the second album or by the primary writers, because um, I wasn't one of them at the time. If it was a conscious effort to move everything a little bit more to, it seemed like almost a world punk focus, you know, just like a more evening out a little bit of of, of the different uh, influences that came on that album. But yeah, I think that, you know, had Balladouse gone on, I think that things would have, you know, evolved and, and probably evolved along those lines to become even more influences, probably. October Bird of Death's other guitarist, Sid, as you mentioned, he was a key player in Head Noise. 
That was an awesome old-school punk band. Something I really enjoyed was that Head Noise had a female vocalist. I mean, that's a pretty rare thing in the Christian punk scene. Yeah, I mean, Edie, I mean, she's just fantastic. I mean, she just had so much vocal power. And it, and it was a huge defining part of, of Head Noise's sound. Um, and of course, uh, Sid was you know the primary driver behind writing those albums. I'm pretty sure that he wrote pretty much everything except for maybe one Head Noise album. You know, he was he was definitely, uh, as far as the music went, the major influence of that band. You know, and we're very glad that he's in our band. He's the kind of guy that he's very self-deprecating. We'll say that yeah, he's not, you know, a great guitar player, but he, but he really is a, a an excellent guitar player. And we're and we're, and we're had to, glad to have him in our band. You're gonna keep him on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's probably a better guitar player than I am, so we'll, we'll definitely keep him on. Oh no, you're not being worried about being replaced, are you? Uh, you know, you, you always worry about being the worst guy in a band, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Another band from your background that we really have to talk about is The Blamed. Sid and your vocalist Wiley are both involved with that. Now, the band closed up years ago, but came back last year. I heard something about them doing some new recordings. Uh, Yes, um, uh, The Blamed is uh, back as at least a a studio project and, you know, possibly doing some select dates as well. Uh, The thing about The Blamed is in this iteration of it, you know, uh, is that Jim Chaffin, uh, who drummed for The Crucified and a zillion other bands, uh, is playing drums, but he lives in California and we all live in Chicago. So, uh, you know, he has to uh, fly in to do recording and, and that sort of thing. You know, it's not super convenient for them uh, to tour, but but uh, yeah, uh, Wiley is doing the vocals on their stuff right now. Um, Sid is playing uh, the bass for the new Blamed. Um, and from what I've heard, and I haven't heard very much of it, it's it sounds pretty good. So, you know, I'm not sure when when they have an idea about you know when it'll be released, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. You spoke about being from Chicago. You got to tell me about the music scene there because just a couple of weeks ago we had Flatfoot Fifty Six on the show. Last night I was in Toronto seeing Velasca, another Chicago band playing. Is the scene really as big as it seems? Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is very big. Uh, it, it feels like sometimes you, you think, oh, maybe you, you're starting to get a handle on the different bands who are in the scene. And then all of a sudden there's a, a you know, a, a whole nother load of bands that you've never heard of. <laughs> it's wonderful in the sense that, that there is so much going on. Uh, but it's a little daunting as far as, you know, it feels like, you know, you've, you've got uh, many States worth of bands, you know, in one small area, but, uh, the scene is, uh, it, it's pretty good. It's, it's, you know, it's competitive. It's, you know, we play a lot of club shows, and it's it's difficult to draw big crowds in Chicago, uh, just because there's so much going on. On any given night, there could be, you know, multiple concerts uh, in the same genre. You know, and uh, so you, if you get unlucky and you're playing on a night with some big punk bands in town, that can really you know hurt your draw. And and then of course when we go out to other places, we we tend to draw really well when we go out to you know outside of the city and into Indiana or Michigan or or uh, Wisconsin or uh, even out in Illinois, um, where people you know are not oversaturated with it as much with music, you tend to get a better crowd there. Are you ever looking at doing like longer term touring, or are you going to keep it more as local dates? Well, for right now, anyway, uh, we're we're definitely committed to being uh, a Chicago band. Uh, most of the bands that we've been in before never really 
took the time to really establish ourselves. I mean, you look at somebody like Flatfoot, and they've, they're, they're an established Chicago band. Everybody in the Chicago scene knows who they are. You know, uh, Some of these other bands that we've been involved in the projects almost went straight to being, you know, regional, national sort of entities where we, you know, started touring pretty quickly. And, and we really want to, you know, establish October Bird of Death as a, as a Chicago band. So right now our plan is to play in Chicago quite a bit. We're going to be playing around the region and the states around us. You know, we're all very busy people. It would be very tough for us to, at this point to set up and go on a tour. So uh, we're going to keep it, uh, you know, regional the, for the moment. Well, the band may be regional, but October Bird of Death actually signed to Zap Records out of Scotland. I mean, how did the connection come around? Well, Dave Emerson's just a really good friend. He's uh, um, He runs Zap Records, and, uh, you know, it, we're just really fortunate to have a friend like him who's just willing to really help us out uh, and really say, oh, you know, I'm going to help you guys out. I'm going to put your stuff out and help you get on, you know, Spotify and iTunes and all the different online sites that that you know you'd normally find a band on and so he's been really just super helpful you know he's he's basically trying to help us and we're basically trying to do as much as we can to help promote his label and to uh, um, help him out and he's been a friend for a long time and he's willing been willing to help us out so we appreciate it we're not really interested in giving these songs to a label um we've seen artists uh sign their rights over to labels and stuff like that and then have problems later on you know and we're not we're just not interested in that with this project so Dave is one of those people who it's, you know, who's willing to help us with, with no strings attached. And really, he's giving way more than he's getting from us, for sure. Uh, he's been really, very kind to us. Well, I guess we've sort of been skirting around a little bit of the main topic, because we've got to get into October Bird of Death's new EP, Death Made Its Offer. Ever since I saw your show last summer, I've been waiting for this. I mean, I'm going to sound like an obsessed fan, and maybe I am, but... Is this not how punk is supposed to sound? Well, I think so, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, this is, uh, you know, I really love the sound that we're putting together, but obviously other people would uh, disagree, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the, the awesome, cool thing about punk rock is that there's just, there's a huge variety of stuff in there, you know, and so many bands with so many different amazing sounds. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to, you know, to come in and try to do something that's, uh, that's just a little different. We had one, one reviewer said of our album that it sounds like an old school band, but I can't tell which one. <laughs> and, for, and for us, that was probably the best compliment you could have gave us. You can't tell which one. That's, that's exactly what we want it to be. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're just, we're looking to make it, to make it our own, to make it as unique as we can. I knew nothing about the band before I saw your set last year at the Audio Feed Festival. And I mean, it was insane. <laughs> the venue was packed and the crowd went absolutely nuts over your music. Did you expect that kind of response? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was packed. There was, a, there was way more people there than we thought there was going to be. Uh, we, you know, we were complete unknown at that point. Uh, no one had any idea. Um, we had a tiny bit of buzz because obviously because Sid's in the band and and you know we we have these bands that we used to be in and and that kind of thing will get you one listen <laughs> you know <laughs> that kind of, that kind of thing will like oh you know he was in, these people were in this band this band oh that will you know that will get you you know people coming in and, and giving you one shot and so uh, we were just overwhelmed really with the response 
it was um, way more than we thought it was going to be. Uh, and so we were just really grateful that people came out and, and seemed to be enjoying what we're doing. I want to get into some of the specific songs on the new EP. In October, Bird of Death has a song with a name that takes longer to say than it does to actually play the song. Why in the world did you go ahead with Art Deco Skull Fracture? <laughs> well, you know, the short song is sort of a, you know, it's a little bit of a punk tradition, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bands that just do songs that are just, you know, 20 seconds long. I mean, that's, that's there are bands that do whole albums. Uh, so, you know, I, Wiley came up with the name Art Deco Skull Fracture. And for half a second, uh, we thought about it as a band name, but it's just too much. You know, October Bitter Death is is a lot, but Art Deco Skull Fracture is for a band name. It's just too much, <laughs> uh, and so he's decided. Okay, we'll make we'll make it a song. It's one of those songs that it, you, when you're playing live and you've played you know four or five songs that are two or three minutes long, and all of a sudden you play a twenty second song. It, it's a little bit of almost comic relief. Uh, you know, people in the crowd usually enjoy you know just having a you know blast out twenty seconds worth of the music and then stop. So, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fun song to play and. The crowd seems to like it. And hence the funny song name, Art Deco Skull Fracture. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, I, at, for a while, I tried to think about all the different cool things that it, it could mean. <laughs> you know, And just nothing idea. came to mind. Well, no, I mean, I did. You know, it's the whole idea of you have a chaotic event. And if you zoom in close enough, uh, there's still some degree of symmetry. Or the reverse, if you have a chaotic event. And then you you pull back, and sometimes you see patterns. You know, you, you know, what I'm saying it's, it's it's so it was just an interesting sort of play on words, um, and we had fun with it. But it it was never something that uh, you know was was supposed to be taken super seriously. The title track is "Death Makes Its Offer." Now, doesn't death only take? I mean, how can there be any kind of an offer to it? Well, yeah, I mean, the idea there is that. Um, in life, we make a lot of choices, and those choices end up having consequences. You know, some of us uh, in this band have been around for a while, and uh, so you know we've we've made good choices in our lives, and we, sometimes we've made bad choices in our lives. And uh, you know, as an example, uh, addictions, you know, self medication. Um, you know, you may choose drugs and alcohol as you know a short term relief high, you know, whatever. I mean, there is a short-term benefit to those things. Uh, but long-term, uh, there's a cost and, uh, the, the cost can be devastating, uh, not only to you, but to those around you, to those who love you. And so what we mean by death made its offer is that, you know, there's a good path and there's a path that's going to lead you to a place where you don't want to be. Got it. There's certainly a faith aspect to the music of October bird of death. How does the band view that? Would you say that's a focus in your music? Uh, I, I don't know that I would say it's a focus. Um, the, the focus of the band is to make really, really good music. That is the primary thing that we're trying to do. Um, within that, you know, we're, we're human beings. We have uh, hopes, desires. We have fears and doubts, just like everyone else. And, you know, everything about who we are, our worldview um, our faith, uh, everything about that is going to eventually bleed out in our music. It's there's, you know, if, if we're, if we're true as artists, if we're true to ourselves and honest about what we're doing, then, then all those things are going to end up, you know, coming out in what we do. 
And so for us, it's being um, people of faith, that comes naturally out of our music. So, uh, but we're not trying to force that or trying to, um, I don't know, make that the primary thing. It's just going to be there because of who we are. Do you think that some bands do that purposefully? Like they actually try to push the message? Is there a place for that? Well, maybe there is. I, I, that's, it's, it's tough to say. You know, I try to live my life every day. There's no dichotomy in my life. You know, I don't, and now I'm going to go do ministry or now I'm going to go do this work or something else. I'm, I, you know, everything I do, faith informs every decision that I make, um, whether that within my family or at work or with a band. So for me, you know, it's all just a natural extension. Sometimes I feel like bands, I sure hope that they're not, you know, using it as a way to advance, uh, a way to uh, gain an audience. But I, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that if people are, you know, out there doing it, that they're sincere in what they want to do um, and they're sincere in whatever they're saying. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the church is a body and there's, there's different expressions. And so uh, I, I'm definitely not going to judge someone else and say that what they're doing is not right. But for us, it just comes, you know, as a part of who we are. I'm also curious as to what inspired the band's lead song from the EP, This Is Our Lives. Sure. Um, normally, we don't like to dig too deep into specific lyrics. And there's a reason for that. You know, uh, a lot of people, when they're listening to music, will latch on to phrases or entire lyrics, and it will mean something to them. And they've decided what the song is about. Um, and so a lot of times when, as artists, come along and, and then they tell what the song was really written about, a lot of times it can sort of wreck people's... <laughs> it's happened to me before. I've, you know, had there's been a band and they thought the song's about this and I really, really love the song. And then all of a sudden I find out later on, this. oh no, the artist is like, no, it's totally not. It's about this. And, and oh, so, and, and now every time I hear the song, I can't think of it the same way anymore. So we try not to talk about just very specifically about lyrics. Uh, but the, I'm going to make an exception in the case of this song. Um, because there's not a lot of nuance in this song. So the beginning inspiration of the song was about some of the violence that's happening in our city, in Chicago. Now, before I say anything more about this, I just want to say that uh, a lot of things have been said lately in the media about Chicago and about the violence that happens here in our city. And, you know, a lot of people have compared us to uh, Middle Eastern cities that are under siege and so I just would just first like to say that those kind of exaggerations are sort of ridiculous and not helpful. Uh, Wiley and I live in uptown Chicago, and it's a, an extraordinarily diverse. It, it, it probably is one of really the most diverse places in this whole country. Uh, we have a huge diversity uh, of different ethnicities, of different religions, of uh, economic classes here in this part of the city. Um, we have very, very wealthy people and we have, um, just a couple blocks away from me, we have a lot of people living under a bridge. So there's a lot of conflict and a lot of fight. Wiley and I are, are part of a church. We run a shelter and we help to try to get people off the street, uh, get them back on their feet and get them moved back into their own apartments. And, um, we try to do a lot of things in the city. Uh, we work for affordable housing. We try to make our community better. In any, in any way that we can. 
so that the song is just basically saying that we're here that we're involved in the struggle for our city and we're ready to fight and you know we're not going anywhere were you actually putting out the song then as an example to other people for what they should be doing in their own communities well i mean again you know we hope that people of faith are want to be involved in what's going on in their community we hope people want to as jesus said uh, you know as you've done the least in these you've done unto me so we hope that people will take that to heart and will um, remember, you know, the people among them who are less fortunate, who need their help, and would just really reach out to them. Well, I think you knew that this question was bound to come up. You have to admit that October Bird of Death, I don't want to say peculiar, but it is an odd band name. Did you guys just all sit down and just throw out random words to make up the name? <laughs> No, 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 no. It's actually uh, October Bird of Death is actually a literary reference. Um, there's a poet by the name of Charles Bukowski, and uh, early on in his career, he wrote a semi-autobiographical novel called Ham on Rye. He talks about that he's writing a story about a German World War One biplane pilot, and his plane is called the October Bird of Death. Ah, and so. That is the reference. Uh, and of course, it's very obscure. And so almost no one has, has come to us and gone, ah, <laughs> yeah, about, about, about the band name. It's really uh, not a traditional punk rock band name at all. In fact, it probably sounds more like a metal band name. Um, but, you know, we, we spent about eight months trying to come up with a band name. And it was, so, it, was a, it was a very long, hard process. And it's very difficult to name a band these days. Uh, you know, all the low-hanging fruit has been taking for a long time now. And so, it's uh, you know, it's always a struggle trying to come up with something that you kind of feel will be something memorable, uh, will be something that's uh, easy for people to find. So, you know, we literally went through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ideas. <laughs> so, we, we finally settled on this one. And uh, so, that's the story of how that came about. I think the big awe comment has to be that here you are a punk band and you're referencing poetry. <laughs> yeah. It just well, I mean, seem to mesh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, and even our lyrics, Wiley writes a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's way more poetic than your average punk band. And I just think that that's just part of, you know, what we wanted, you know, as far as the, the, the overall sound and the overall feeling of, of how we would express ourselves. Um, there are actually a lot of punk bands out there that think very deeply about things and are actually read quite a bit. And, but most punk is, is very, um, is very get to the point as far as the lyrics go. Um, but there are, you know, there are a lot of bands out there who are very, very thoughtful and how they put together their lyrics and, you know, draw upon a lot of different, uh, literary references and other things. Darren, thanks for coming to The Antidote, man. This was a great talk. Yeah, I had a great time. Take care, Dave.